Thanks to our good friends at Cryer Malt, who remind us that there is a grain of truth in every beer. This is Beer is a Conversation. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and this week I grab the opportunity to visit another brewery while on the family holiday to Adelaide and Surrounds. I catch up with Craig Basford and Jason Harris from Big Shed Brewing Concern at their current brewery, which is about 15 minutes out of the CBD. And I also visit their new digs around the corner and get the opportunity to learn just how exciting and daunting a multi-million dollar expansion project can be. Uh, I also get to see just how genuinely down-to-earth and excitable both these lads are when the site manager, surprisingly, offers them a chance to drive the excavators around. From humble and essentially unbusiness planned beginnings, Big Shed has been a community brewery for many other brands around town, as well as brewing their own beers. The popularity of those beers, uh, some notable due to their being memorable Gabs offerings, others because of their clever pun namings, uh, but all popular because they are cracking examples of both new and traditional styles, and that it's meant that they have fast outgrown their current shed, which is not, in fact, the big shed. Uh, nor is the new one, the Big Shed, despite being even more considerably larger. Confused? Intrigued? All will be revealed in a chat that covers everything from crafting a good beer, and a good beer pun, to convincing an Aussie music legend not to sue them, thanks to some deplorable schoolboy German, and we also learn why The Simpsons are probably the most important pop culture reference source in the history of the universe. Grab a beer, and enjoy the conversation. Uh, now, Jason Harris and Craig Basford from uh, Big Shed Brewing Concern, thank you very much for joining us on Beer is a Conversation. Thank you. Good morning. Hello. Uh, talk us through, for those who don't know, tell us the, the Big Shed story, first of all. Oh, man, the Big Shed story is about five years, well, technically speaking, it's five years old, but goes beyond that. Jason and I uh, were brewing together. We met at Wolf Plass, um, working in IT, not the winemaker or anything like that. We uh, quickly learned that we both enjoy a good beer, so we started making beer, um, Got bored with Kitten Kilo pretty quick, did the all-grain thing, love that. Um, and as you do, you get a few beers in, you get a bit brave and think, we should we should start a brewery, we should do that. Um, wake up the next day with a hangover and realise that was a silly idea, but regardless, the idea wouldn't go away. So, we thinking about it, got a business name sorted out, um, started thinking about it, talking about it all the time, you know, whatever. But that was literally it, it was just all talk. Um, we got a renewal letter from the government saying your business name's expired. Like, would you like to renew? And we're like, geez, we spent three years talking shit to each other without actually getting anything done. So let's, we either do it, we understand why we do it, or we understand why we don't, or we never speak of it again because we don't want to be 70 and wondering what would happen if we had to crack. So that's when we started looking at how we could do it. Um, went to all manner of places, looked at different things, different options. We uh, employed the services of Steve Nelson, formerly Brew Boys, um, and an all around good cat. And an absolute straight arrow and straight shooter who will not sugarcoat anything. Bless him. And now, he's still, for those who don't know, he's still at, at Regency Park TAFE yeah, doing the, the course there? Yeah, he still does the, the course at Regency TAFE. And I think, he, I think he does some stuff at Coopers and things like that too. Yeah, he does some consulting and some beer judging. So he, he also brings groups of his students through here yeah. every you know every semester or so. They come through here on a Friday and we yeah, we look after them. We give them wander through the process. And they Steve tells us how in, in uh, unacceptable the floor is still yeah. after five years. <laughs> He does all that. But anyway, yes, so that's Steve-O. Um, and we looked at all manner of ways. You know, we talked about contracting and things like that. Uh, quickly found out that at the time we couldn't find anyone to make less than sort of 10,000 litres of beer. And for two guys with no brewing experience, no hospitality experience, no sales experience, or in beer sales anyway. So that was going to mean we had to make a pretty safe beer and something we weren't really interested in. We always were 
wanting to make a beer that we enjoyed and, and not necessarily challenge people, but it was going to be a lot safer or a lot less safe than, say, I don't know, you know a 4% uh, payout at the time. So uh, Steve said to us, you know, why don't you get your kit, rather than spend the money on, a, on someone to make your kit for you here, get it straight out of China yourself. Um, you know, they're all coming out of China anyway, so you just save some money that way. So we did that. Um, we saved about 30%, 30-40%, which was good. Um, Jace mastered Chinglish over six months or so, bouncing emails back and forward, and, and our technical drawing and technical expertise uh, sort of went as far as paint shop and cutting and pasting and whatever. Uh, but eventually, man, yeah, we, we sent all our money and hopes and dreams over to China with the hope that they'd send a brewery back, and they did, bless them. And you weren't, um, I guess, in that minority of, of brewers who, you know, got that pleasant surprise where they found out, like, you know, the sample tap for, was on the inside of the tank or anything like that, right? <laughs> you know, bits are upside down. No, they, they, they pretty much turned up about 99.8% correct. There was only probably one area we weren't necessarily happy with, but it wasn't operationally a problem. So we just went, you know what, that's pretty bloody good for our first shot. Any issues were, were uh, created by ourselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, you're not alone there. Um, and in terms of, um, we'll get to the name in a sec, but in terms of, I guess, getting the uh, the capital to get started, were you the guys who had, uh, you know, all the mates were drinking your homebrew and going, mate, this is so good, this is so good. And, and uh, I guess your story echoes uh, Mornington Peninsula Brewery, where, you know, that whole thing of always do sober what you promised to do drunk um, and, and call yourselves on it and say, yeah, yeah. like, piss or get off the pot. Yeah. Like, if we're not going to do it now, then, you know, when will we? Did the mates all then sort of, you know, yeah, this is great, we'll, we'll support you until it comes to the cash or, you know, did you have to go to the bank or was it family well, or yeah, you just put both. your balls on the line? Yeah, again, like, as, as two guys with no sales experience, hospitality experience or brewing experience, no one in their right yeah, that's mind. that's a good start. No one yeah. in their right mind would give us any cash. Like, the only thing we had really was a naive sense of optimism that we could make it work. Um, so what we ended up doing was, uh, you know, some family members sort of leaning in a little bit, um, ourselves just finding, scrounging, Every, every single cent we could, we could find and we built the best brewery we could afford. You know, when we first started, we had no, um, we had no forklift. So we have to borrow a forklift when we absolutely needed one. But old mate rocks up with a pallet full of grain for our first batch of beer and we're unloading it by hand. And he's like, what We're high-fiving each other between each bag. And this yeah. driver's going, will you hurry up? I'm getting paid by the K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, you can either help us, man, and save us 30%, or you know, save the 30% of your time, or you can just, like, sit there. So, yeah, we unloaded by hand. And, and to this day, we still we still do things really manually. Um, but every day, we try to make it a little bit better. So when we get the new brewery down the road, which I'm sure we'll talk about in due course, um, the boys, our brew team, and us will be very appreciative of all the mod cons that come along with that. But also understanding like where we have come from, and it builds it builds resilience and, and, and a can-do attitude, I think, which is good. Now I know we do things a little bit differently here in South Australia than in some other parts of Australia, but this to me ain't a big shed. So where did, oh, did, mate, did, did you the Google review? We've got a Google <laughs> review that says that. Not really a shed, more of a warehouse. Shut the fuck up, mate. <laughs> so did the so did the name come before the uh, yeah, yes, the concept? Yeah, the name of the, the big shed name actually comes from where we started brewing um, at it when we were doing homebrew in, in, in um, Jason's house at Lindock. He lived on a farm uh, property and had a massive ag shed. So that's it was about what, this size. Yeah, it was, it was huge. And it had Skeletric track, track, all the all the boys' toys type set up. But for us, in terms of our homebrewing, what it had, which was really good, was a mechanics pit. So it would hold temperature. It would sit 18, 20 degrees, and it was fairly consistent. Um, so we could brew more repeatable beers due to that. So that's where the big shed part comes from. And the concern is actually, like, it's a, essentially it's an old-timey sort of business saying, like old-time business sort of, uh, word. However, we got it from The Simpsons. 
um, the Osaka fish concern. Yes. Mm. Homer's... Home goes to Japan, they yeah. lose all their money and they have to, they have to work in the fish, the fish factory. That's it. Knives go in, guts come out. And it's about uh, not taking yourself seriously. Yeah, a company or, or a... Um, yeah, it, it's way, way, way too serious. And, you know, you probably, you've probably only been here probably a few minutes and you've already noticed when it takes too much seriously. The beer, the beer's important, everything else is fun. I was going to say, I've got, got to say, up, up front, for those who haven't tasted the beers, I've been through most of the range now between either here, Gabs, or um, our good friend, my good new friends at Moana Heights IGA <laughs> uh, celebrations, um, that, yeah, the beer's absolutely on point. But it's fair to say that, yeah, there's not a lot else. You take the beer seriously, but you don't take yourselves all that seriously. Absolutely. Look, I mean, I think it's important for us. We come, again, because we come from the wine industry originally, like we went to a fair few wine shows. And, man, like wine, some not all winemakers, I, I won't tar them all, but a some, few of them, some are okay. holy crap, they take themselves. Like, it was it was almost like, I'm drinking this. You're this. I'm making this beverage for you. It's, 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 it's too good for you. But I'll tell you what you taste anyway, because, you know, just to try and help you out. Right, gooseberry and, and wet granite. Yeah, so Jason and I would like, we'd nudge each other, and like, if we ever say, if we sound like those guys, just punch us in the face. You know, like, to be for us, you know, we, we know our station. We're not solving any world diplomatic issues here. We're not, we're not curing any diseases. We're making beer for people to enjoy with their mates. That's what we do. Speaking of which, how are you going, just again, having a look and, you know, I know sizes and everything, but how are you guys keeping up with demand? Uh, at the moment, so it's about for us. It's about managing uh, the relationships that we have with our customers. We don't we don't pursue new customers at the moment. Like that, that vigorous. I mean, people come to us and, and we'll and we'll help them out where we can. But it's about making sure that those people who have been with us the whole time that we make sure they get supply and make sure they're um, looked after. For us, it's always been about key key uh, relationships. I mean, it's a relationship game, absolutely. So yeah. if we can, I'd rather look after those guys really well. And then as we have more capacity. Talk to the new guys and go. Look, now we can we can treat you the way we want to treat you and the way you deserve to be treated. So let's talk about it then. Just part of that philosophy, I guess, come from the wine background, where, like you say, you, you, you wine holds the moral high ground, but it also holds, I guess, that um, the heritage high ground in in yep. terms of Australians' yep. eyes. You know, beer, according to some anthropologists, probably out predates wine by anything up to five thousand years, mm-hmm. but it's always been it's the working man's beverage. It's yep. as Matt. Kierkegaard likes to call it, you know, it's, it's weapons of mass consumption. It's just, it's, you know, fit them in, fill yeah, them up. Being South Australian, I mean, we're, I'll hang shit on winemakers all day, but I do appreciate where they've come from. Like, you know, looking at, even in the local wine industry, like, there was a time when the wine, when a wine was the drink of the homeless guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so they've, they've ploughed a hard road to get to where they are. Um, and I think, Beer's going down a similar path now. Well, like you say, it's the, it's the product of mass, mass consumption, but it's people's ideas around that change. Um, and I think that's in part due to the growth of the craft beer community and, and the craft beer grows because of that sort of, sort of a, a symbiotic relationship. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's sort of the, the key. Like People want to know where their, their drinks are coming from. They're not just smashing them down to get loose um, in the last two hours before the... Um, before you know the six o'clock shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you look at you look at the way foods changed in the last yeah, thirty the years, and I think that I think that's that's driven a lot of this. And like, we get really annoyed in South Australia that everybody oh food and wine, food and wine, food and wine. I'm like, really, there's more beers out there, and there's more styles that'll match more foods. So I think the changing of people's palates yeah. is, is certainly helping drive craft as well. We're, we're people are more promiscuous as much as we love and hate beer geeks for being so promiscuous and just anything news the coolest thing ever. Um, look, we've we've struck. You know, um, gold a few times with a few of our beers we've made, um, but it's not a prime focus of ours to constantly keep chasing the next trend. It's about making 
making the show a little bit better every time. So, Just on that, talk us through, I guess, uh, your core range as it was when you started. Has it evolved now? Because I notice a lot of breweries have the, a similar kind of brand story, I guess, where, look, we want it to be different. So we wanted to have that big hop forward uh, American style West Coast, you know, pale or IPA, whatever it might be, or a big Russian Imperial Stout, something a bit, a bit different. A lot of breweries now are coming back to that Australian style pale ale. Uh, they're coming back to a, a Kolsch or a, you know. It, wasn't, it was never us about wanting to be different per se. We just wanted to bring stuff that we enjoyed. Um, so in terms of our core range, the first beer we ever released was Frank and Brown. Um, Depths of Summer. Depths of Summer. Yeah, it was It was originally intended to be a a black IPA, but it didn't quite hit the numbers and stuff for us. So we, so in all good marketing courses, we changed the name of it and went with it anyway because it tastes, didn't taste too bad. See, that's, that's where we've got an advantage. If you grow Shiraz grapes and you throw it in and it turns out to be something yeah. different, you can't call it a, chard- a red Chardonnay. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they put it in Lambrusco and so, yeah, sell it for two bucks to go. Uh, got no excise on that. Bless them. Anyway, get off my high horse. Uh, um, so Frank Brown was our first beer. Under again, under Steve's advisement, um, he's like, make a dark beer. Could be it's, a bit, it's a bit more forgiving. Yeah. So we did that, um, and then we made the beer we wanted to make first, which would have been a, a Fier American Pale. California came next. Um, yeah. Again, like a, a homage to those beers, those Sierra Nevadas and things like that that we really <laughs> enjoy. Um, and then we found, yeah, because at the time we had mismatch brewing here as well, and we had a little tap system, and we found we were shifting uh, quite a bit. Of, apart from our own beers, um, quite a bit of session ale. And we're like, well, there's a gap in our market because the smallest thing we have on t- in terms of booze is 5.5% with the F here. So it's like, well, we need something. We didn't want to make session ale, but we wanted to bring something a bit different, you know, or our own our own personal preference. So that's where um, the working class beer, the Kolsch Shizzle, comes in. Originally, it was a German-style uh, German beer, like that Kolsch, but people didn't understand what a German-style... We, we called it a German pale because they didn't want to use... Kolsch because of the whole, you know, the Kirsch, potential, Kirsch. yeah, yeah, potential, um, what do they call that, location rights or whatever it is, yep. you know, like you can't call this a champagne a champagne or all that sort of yeah. thing. So we didn't want to do that. So we called it German pale. People didn't know what that was. So we um, we rebadged it. We tweaked the recipe a little bit, not much. Um, kept it at 4.2 and we did that. Um, then we wanted, people were asking us for a cider. We wanted to make something different again. So like, what does Adelaide do really well? Apples, you know, fruit-wise and stuff. And cherries was the, was the thing for us. So in classic Big Shed style, we order this this juice to come down the hill, and then realise that if you make if you put cherry juice in apple juice, it's not a cider under tax law; it's an RTD. And we wanted to sell it by the keg at the time, and a five we did the maths on that, and a keg of um, five, a keg on a five percenter because it was going to be light and delicious, it was going to be beautiful. Five percenter uh, apple and apple and cherry cider was going to require about two hundred and twenty dollars in tax. For the keg. Before the product was sold. Before the product was sold, before any of the labour and all that sort of stuff, we were like, well, we can't do that. What do we do? We talked to a mate of ours um, who's a who's a winemaker and an all-around cider maker and a, and a general like gun for hire and an absolute like, weapon of a, of a human being. And he's like, well, if you make it 8%, <laughs> it's now it becomes a fruit wine. So, so we're like, all right, so the long so and the short of it is... We don't want to do that. That defeats the purpose of an RTD, so, but let's make it over 8% yeah, so because the, it's yeah, a tax problem. The, yeah. tax, the tax law that prevents us making what they would consider cheap, sweetened booze makes us make an 8.5% apple and cherry cider, which is insane. Um, so we did that, uh, and that was pretty much the core range for a little while, and then Golden Stout time oh, landed, and we made, we made that, went to Gab's with that, and our pathetic little stand at Gab's, and, and watched this, watch this thing hit the ground, and people just go 
foam for it, which was uh, so humbling and so amazing to we watch. Could, every time someone walked past, you could smell it. Like, you're like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing okay here. I can smell a lot of this stuff in the air. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then so, talk us through the, the development of that because, I mean, you guys have become fairly well-known, I guess, for, again, in that vein of not taking yourselves too seriously, yeah. but also, you know, like Cole Shizzle. I uh, first experienced that at... Um, it's a like a, an Argentinian churrascura sort of restaurant in um, the back end of the city after the Indies were held here and yep. we'd, we'd just done three full days of, of stewarding. We'd finally locked it all off. It was late. It was the only place that was sort of still open. Yeah, and right. I said, yeah, just give us one of those. But it, that looks, yeah, it looks good. And it honestly took me till halfway through the second one to yeah. realise what I was looking at and <laughs> the whole... And the, the, the headband and the microphone and yeah, the sneaky yeah. little, you know... German for the last plane out of Sydney, yeah, yeah, you know. So it's badly translated lyrics. So when we, when we first did that label, we're like, oh, we're, we're skirting around the edges here. And look, to be honest with you, we, only, we found out there was, a, there was a regular who drinks here who's actually from the band. And we're like, we're going to get in trouble here. So anyway, so we, we pushed ahead with it. Um, the lyrics are really badly translated down the bottom. So Mossy being the more legally savvy of all of the, uh, of the uh, band members, uh, we gave them a poster when they came to Adelaide and said, oh, here's some, here's some beer. And, you know, would you mind signing the poster? And... So Mossy sat back and Googled up and that's really badly translated. Yeah, that's fine. Sign the poster and off we went. So we were probably That's a contract. We were probably yeah. We were probably staring at <laughs> the barrel. We were probably staring down the barrel of a cease and desist, but then when they worked out that that's really badly translated, then that looks nothing like Jimmy. So either way we were yeah. we were we were square. Day, man. It's a loving hum- like all the things we do. It's like so like it's a tribute. Yeah, exactly. It's because we love Whatever it is, whatever the muse is, it's because of that. You've, so. never, you've never seen a bear complain about California, Kate. Let's be honest. <laughs> True. So talk us through then um, uh, the Golden Stout time. Oh, yeah. It was the one that I guess launched you outside yeah. of... Uh, yeah, def- it definitely was. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, the history of Golden Stout time is I was watching... What was I watching? MasterChef. And they had some, some pompous top-knot mofo made a deconstructed Golden Gay Time ice cream. And I looked at all those bits and pieces and I went, all of that could fit into a beer and would I reckon would work. So that's where it was that's where it was that's the where the seed was sown. Like let's have a go. Um, had you done a stout before at that point? No. 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 Until the yeah, we've at, at that point that was the only stout we made. So you rang Steve and he just said, Yeah, just big up the um, the brown. Oh no, no. <laughs> by then we had a, a by then we had a brewer here and, and you know, we're a bit we're a bit smarter about it all and oh, so you've, had, you've you've employed a brewer by this stage. Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, first yeah. thing we did when we started a brewery was give up brewing. It's just yeah. like this is this is bullshit. What are we doing this for? Well, it wasn't so much that. It was just no. like, it was, yeah, it's funny. Like people go to you, why do you start a brewery? Because we love brewing beer. What's the first thing we gave up? It was brewing beer. We just don't. We just, you quickly learn you're either going to make beer and do production, or you're going to run a business. I don't know how the guys who do both, man, like hats off to you. But between two of us, we couldn't we couldn't swing at all. Um, we did for the first year, but it was you know let's be honest, yeah. it was a shit show. Well, did you also did you find okay realistically we don't have the skills let alone the time. Well, the other thing was like we can either you can teach us, you can either get the skills like you can do the time and, and 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 learn or we can bring in ready made and then work on the business. So that's yeah that's right exactly right. And to be honest, man, like I we still get involved in the into the in the brewing process and so much around designing ideas and things like that. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts, we put this in, we put that in. We pretty much leave it to the boys. There's better there's better people than us to um, do that. Yeah, we leave yeah. to the boys to do it. And they come out with a cracking job, you know. We we give them a remit, and they go, right, this is how we're going to do it. And we go, cool, you know. Um, so we still get involved in the creative process, but the the nuts and bolts are making it the same way every time, and all that. These boys get up to, and they do it, and they do it really well. And for mine, anyway, I'm only speaking for myself. What I quickly found is that while I enjoyed the brewing process when I was homebrewing with Jay's, what I actually enjoyed was the sharing of the beer and talking about it and, and that side of it. So pulling beers over the bar and all that. That's the stuff that actually bores my potatoes. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a it's been a funny old journey in that sense. So is that a, a lot of brewers talk about? Yeah, that it's kind of like a, a an instant hand delivered R and D department. Um, your punters, if you like, at the yeah. point, they come in, and they're more likely to give you honest feedback when you're right there drinking it with you. Than you know, if they took it home as a six pack and they're sitting with their mates and go, oh, I don't know, this isn't quite yeah. hitting Not the mark. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a little bar fridge, a kegerator. It's, what, yeah, it's where we started over here. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we call the X Tap. The boys still bust out the home brew, our, our little three player, what are they called? Brew so Magic. We're, so we're going to start yeah, over so. Brew Magic just like um, Dogfish Head started on years yeah, ago. Yeah. So that was actually what drove us to actually buy that thing. The original we're Delaware. We're yeah, going yeah. we're gonna, to we're gonna buy one of those because you wonder if it was good enough for him to start on, it's going to be good enough for us to either prove ourselves or to go, yeah, we should stop this. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. Um, but yeah, the boys still get busted out and we get to put little trial batches through and and try some things, and it's good for them to be able to try new ideas and see what works and what doesn't, but also we can, put, like you say, we can take it over the bar and go, what do you reckon? And occasionally you'll hit, you'll hit some pay dirt, or you might hit something that's 80% right and you might change a little bit, you know, so you've always got ideas on the go, so it's, it's great in that sense, yeah. The front bar is, it's awesome fun, it's awesome fun. Now, we made mention of the, the new brewery, which, mm. we're, so we've, we've broken ground at the moment, we're about to pour concrete, presumably, mm. and six months or so, yeah, hopefully six months we'll be... or so. I mean, at the end of the day, we're actually building a big shed for the first time in our history, so um, this is 4,000 square metres of land, 2,000 square metre building, um, we're going to have our own cool room in-house, we're going to have our own warehousing in-house, dual canning line, uh, brewery good for a million litres a year straight out of the blocks, so, I mean, it won't be turned on to that level straight away. Um, and the eventual capacity will be about 3.6 if we max the thing out. So this is down to the general public to support the brand, to drink the product, to demand it in places, and then, yeah, we'll get to that volume. So if it doesn't get there, that's great. I mean, it doesn't really bother me if we don't get to 3.6 million dollars, but we need to be damn sight more more efficient than we are now. So when we take you for a wander through the brewery in a minute, you'll, un- you'll understand why we're, um, why we're upgrading because, yeah, it's, it's like a game of Tetris to get started every day here. We're going to move stuff. Yep. And to... Put the, the listeners in the picture. We're about 10 minutes, 15 minutes 15 from... 15 minutes out of the city. Out of the like city. We're always 15 minutes out of the city. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's a reasonably industrial sort of area here. Yeah. Where do, where, where do you, um, I guess, your loyal drinkers come from? Okay, well, you're right. We are an industrial sort of space, but either side of us, there's a lot of houses. Um, and you've got the port, like, sort of five minutes down the road. You've got West Lakes, another couple of minutes down the road. And there's new development there where they're knocking over Amy Stadium and things like that. So... Um, our clientele, our, our, our regulars mostly come from the local area and that's why it was important to us when we built the new space to be close by. You know, we didn't want to be the guys and like, I've got mates who are, who are financial planners and stuff like that they're like, no, 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 you don't do that. You move close to the city. I don't want to be the guys who got big, you know, got cool and got out. Like I want to, we owe it to them. We have our birthday party once a year. We'll have 500 people here like out in the car park and things like that and it doesn't feel like an event. It feels like I'm with 500 mates, because I know most of them um, in part, at least to look at them, or if not names and their kids and their families and all that sort of stuff, because they do come in regularly. So it was important for us to be able to supply a space for them, um, because they, in, in like in no uncertain terms, built what Big Shed is. You know, they they help us um, on a purely financial level because they come in every week and they spend a few dollars over a beer. Uh, you know, there's no 30 day terms on my on my pint. God bless it. Um, <laughs> But also, no, that's all right. This is cash for comments. I left my card at the bar. It's cash for comments. Cash for comments. Nine o'clock in the morning. Exactly. But I'm on holidays. But you know, other than the the pure financial sense, they 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 help us on a on a without sounding too wanky about it on an emotional level. They come in and it's 
it, it reminds, especially myself and Jace, like it reminds us why we do what we do. Yep. Because without, like we can make the best beer in the world, but if no one sits there and enjoys it, there's no use to it. So to be able to serve a beer and they go, they drink it and they put it, it puts a smile on their face going, oh, that's, like I've had a great day, but it's just a little bit better now. Or I've had a shit day, thank God it's over, and now I'm here in my happy place. And I'll meet people and I'll meet friends and that's, so that's super important to us. So we want, we didn't want to move away from those people and have to start it again. The, pu- so, the, the pub used to be the best and the worst of your day. So if you had a shit day, you went to the pub. If you had a good day, you went to the pub. And it's the central pillar of that. Like when we went to the UK, you know, it's it's like a meeting, the community a meeting place. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Um, um, you know, when you said about punters and where do people come from, like we had a guy who came down from the UK and brought the pamphlet from the beer we made for JD Weatherspoons oh, no. five, six, uh, nine weeks ago. Yeah. I came here because of this. I'm like, are you serious? And he goes, no, no, I was coming to, I was coming to Australia anyway, but I've come here to see to see where you guys came from because that was a nice beer. I'm like, that's pretty cool. You've travelled, you know, 20-odd thousand k's to come and, come and see where we came from. So, yeah. In terms of, uh, I guess, the um, that emotional, that community hub kind of feel, is that going to translate into the, the new place in terms of... Because, to be honest, what we've got here is clearly, and as you were saying to me before, kind of made up as you went along yeah, like exactly. you know we couldn't fit them all here so we knocked a wall through yeah. there and then there's kind of we've got to put a fence up there for when we're packaging just to protect the punters from you know <laughs> from danger um is the design of the new place encompassing yeah we don't want to make it i guess you know sprayed on brunswick yeah, east yeah. or yeah. um you know what hipster we, yeah well i was gonna say what we won't be doing is employ and employing an interior designer yep. you know it's still going to be our shed so uh, and that's and that's absolutely important like we've had we've had start uh Punters come in and go, like, please don't lose what we have. Not the dank. Don't yeah, take away yeah, the yeah, dank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. We should so, put some like purple carpet. You know, like they don't. Yeah, they don't. They don't want to lose it, and neither yeah. do we. Like it's it's great to watch someone come in here for the first time and immediately feel kind of at home. Um, We've had a lot of people come through and say this looks it reminds them of a San Francisco craft beer bar. I'm like, well, we've never been to San Francisco, so we've must have we've done yeah, no, that we've done that without even trying. Yeah. So well, I think I think I think when you've got an old Melvin Star dragster being ridden by a skeleton, you kind of go, you know what, that's San Francisco. Yeah. What we've done is we've allowed our staff to actually have a say in how this place looks and feels. Like at the end of the day, if it was just down to Craig and I to be tables and chairs, we'd be sitting around having a beer. Like we would we wouldn't have gone to this level of they've nested. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, we we do call our venue manager the nester. He's like a freaking Every time we turn up, there's something new. Yeah. Here. But it makes it makes for people. Like I said, people feel comfortable, and it's like, well, how can we? As long as it feels comfortable and still feels at home, it doesn't feel manufactured. I think Australians um, have a good bullshit meter, Very you nice. know, good detector. Yep. So if they sense something's out of whack, it's, it's going to jar. Um, so I think for us, as long as it's honest, that's been our sort of key sort of thing. Like for better or worse. We are who we are, and we don't try to be everything for everyone. Yeah. But and the delivery's got to be the same as the promise. Yeah, absolutely. So if people are still feeling that vibe. It doesn't matter if it's a 50-head venue here or a 450-head venue down the road. It's still going to be us. It's a bigger shed, but it's still our shed, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's where we're at. Now, a lot of people listen to this um, uh, uh, breweries in planning, or they may be where you guys were, yeah. say, you know, five, six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, uh, we, can, we, we can do this. Yeah. You guys went into this knowing what your limitations were, and as the great philosopher of the 1970s and 80s, um, Harry Callahan said, you know, a man's got to know his limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys came into this knowing, okay, we, we're going to get people to do the things that we can't do, and so we can then learn the things that, that we need to do. Was part of your business plan um, incorporating an exit strategy? No. We still talk about it now. Like, we look at it now and go, what, what, what are we, what, where are we going? What, what happens we, in 10 yeah, years, are, 15, 20 years? We basically just wanted to build a brewery that was, that was, that was exciting um, and sustainable and profitable and all those things. And we have no intention, like we, 
like for all the all the trials and tribulations, we still love what we do. So while we love what we do, there's no need to. Um, we never even think about it. And, and again, our accountants and stuff, you go, you got to sort this out. You got to think about where you're going. Where and you what happens if such and such like gets hit by an ice cream truck and da 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 da? Well, well, like we're mates, um, and our families are tight. You know, we can, we can. There's nothing we can't sort out. We've always, for all our, we have Barney's on occasion, but we all want to get to the same spot. We've never let the sun set on a problem, like, and that's probably in five years or probably more than that. It's, this is we've been doing home brewing since 2006. We've never yet had a Barney that's gone to bed. That's what, yeah, yeah. And, so, and, that, and, that, and we have to keep doing that. We've got six taps of delicious beer to choose from. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it always does, kind of, you know. Yeah, um, oils but, the wheels you know, of yeah. irreconciliation. But people do talk to us, you know, pirate life. And when, when that all happened, like the feral pirate life, four pines, the three-way, all at once, the natural conversation for people was, oh, are you ever going to sell out, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to sit here and say, we're not going to. We're not going to sit here and say, we are going to. Because at the end of the day, we don't, it's not in our business plan, I can tell you that now. Um, but if... Lion Nathan come up with a big fucking truckload of cash out the back and start backing it up. We're going to have a chat. Well, if somebody offers you $300,000 more for your house than it's probably worth, yeah. you as a, as, a, as a normal human in yeah. today's society are going to go, yeah, I'll look at that. But it's not something not we plan. Put it away. We're not if, aiming to do it. Not no, exactly stretch. right. Yeah. No. But, but you have no interest in, I guess, saying, okay, we've done, we, we've done as much as we can do. Where if, if no, I, could, I, I could die happy is, tomorrow. I say that because we don't, we don't, we don't know where the bottom of that is. You know, we don't. If you ask someone, if you ask us five years ago, would we be having this conversation now with a bigger brewery down the road? I would have said you're mad. So, but here we are. Um, so, who's to say in ten years? We we might think like ten years from now we'll be spent and we can't go any further. But you never know. I think we'll mentally run out before we run out of anything else. Well, like, well and leading on from that, and I guess where I was getting at, a brewery is now more. Um, the kind of thing that you could leave to your kids, that your yeah. kids could, could take like, over as, you know, sort of, you know, Harris and Sons or Basford and Sons sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but just in terms of, because what you've got here isn't, you don't necessarily need to know how to make beer. No, you need to know how to look after people yeah, who yeah. can do that, Absolutely. but you then become a business manager in the same way as a, a yeah. cobbler or a restaurateur or... Yeah. Absolutely. I still think you need to have a passion for the industry. Um, you know, a lot of the new beers that we, we create are come out of Jason I's head, so there's that side of things um, and just having a feel for for not even trends and stuff but just being personal. A lot of people love coming down and have a chat with us or seeing us at events and stuff and talking to the owners and things. Um, so you've got to, yeah, if the passion's not there, you're not, you're not going to want to do it for very long. I've, so, told my, I've told my kids if they want to work here, not, my kids are crazy too young to even think about it, but I've said if you want to work here, that's cool, go work somewhere else. Appreciate what we've, what we've what there is here, and then you'll come back with some passion and understanding. If you work for somebody else, I think you get a grounding, you get you'll get leveled, you get you know you, you understand your place, and then you then you might want to come back and work here. But you know we're a long way from that. Yeah. Based on that too, I mean, uh, there's a fair bit of uh, Facebook envy um, on my behalf seeing you guys. Uh, was it five, six weeks ago now, or four weeks yeah. ago, yeah. Um, over in Belgium and the UK? Yeah, Talk yeah. us through how did that the, the JD Weatherspoons? How did that come that about? Was, that was crazy. So basically, um, Richard Adamson from Young Henry's gave me a call and said, "Look, I do this thing with uh, JD Weatherspoons. I've done it a few times now. They're, they're looking for recommendations. Would you guys be at all interested?" And going over to the UK and making a beer, I'm like, nah, I'd rather, I'd rather not. No, of course I'm interested. So then they ring us and said, well, would you like to come? Yeah, we would. Um, so we do that. Uh, yeah, we send them a bunch of beers. Well, they, they remember they only had the budget for one person. We went, yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. This the, here's the thing: we don't do anything separately. We're Laurel Hardy. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, well, it's it's so much so. Like, depends yeah. what it is, but if it's something massive like that, like that's a that's a little reward. 
for effort yeah. over the five years. You know what I mean? So that was always it was never going to be one of us going, and that was that was that was by the way we we worked all that out. Um, but they wanted they wanted a group of beers, they wanted the recipes, and well, no, they wanted beers, styles, ABV, all that sort of gear. And I knew already what beer they were going to choose because I you know I'm looking at our beers, going what sort suits a real ale kind of setup, and it's not going to be. California Cater at 7.5. Yeah, we could be making a brewery that was built in the 1700s. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a lot of hops in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so we sent them that. We do that. Um, and they basically want us there for the week. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not flying 23 hours on a plane to go to, to the UK for a week. I'm going to go and see some stuff. So um, Jace was mad keen on going to Belgium um, because that's where his love of all things crafty sort of started. And me too, like to a, to a lesser extent, me as well. So it was always good. It was always going to be good fun. We did that. Um, I've got a granddad who was buried in Amsterdam, uh, in in Holland, uh, died in World War Two. So we went and saw him. Um, and then we went to Ireland for a couple of days. So I was hoping to catch some rugby. So yeah, we just um, refilled the tanks. To be honest, like a lot of it was just like remembering why we love what we get up to. Um, and it was good for the for the guys here because we were suddenly you know, twenty three hours away by plane. Like there was decisions that had to be made that could be made by them and empowered them to be able to do that as well. So it was great for the business um, to be able to to be able to hand it over and say, look, look unless something You're catches... Yeah. And like I was, you, you were just talking about, you know, your, your kids encouraging them if they want to be part of it, go and do something else. Yeah. For you guys as well, I guess, um, for me, the eye-opener in, in Belgium was going there to a, a country that I revered as, you know, almost like the spiritual home of, mm. of, of great beer... Mm. And they look at you a bit funny when you go, what, what do you mean craft beer? It's just, yeah, it's like, beer. there's no such thing. It's yeah, just, this is what we do here. And then up the road, they do it this way because they've been doing it for a couple of hundred years. Yeah. Did you find it was eye-opening in terms of, yeah, you, oh, sometimes we do take things a bit too seriously, yeah, I, even when we're trying not to? I think people are keen to segment and pigeonhole. And, and it goes for everything. Like, so to see a bloke, I, was, I remember walking down the, down the road and a bloke had a shimmy blue and he's just necking it out of a bottle. Like, it ain't no thing. I'm like, man, I'm in a very different place, man. How good is this? Never mind the fact we're riding lime scooters, no helmets, probably a little bit pissy <laughs> through the cobblestone streets of Belgium and doing burnouts. Yeah. But, yeah, um, no. yeah look, absolutely. I think if it's just, they'll, they'll, there, has, there will reach a point when it stops becoming craft beer or indie beer, it just becomes beer. Uh, you, you, you compare it to, do we, do we say craft bakeries or we just say, ba- you get a pie from a bakery. Yeah, like, it's, it's, bakery yeah I know, but it, it, it's, well, why, we don't need to label everything. And no, I think that's too, but I think people, like, it's a part of it is, is marketing and sales. Like people want to belong to a tribe, don't they? They don't want to be a beer drinker; they want to be a craft beer drinker. Um, and they go, they, they want to support local and stuff. And I love them for it. So, uh, you know, I think it's coming along. Like the more, as I, I can't remember, it was something I quoted, and I just would like if I could have a pub which had Kino, the V8, pool table, a dozen craft beers, and six macro beers, and it's just because that's what we serve. It's just beer now. That would be a magic place to be, you know. So, mm, I think. Yeah. What's the deal with Kino? You, it's huge over here. Oh yeah. We, could, we couldn't yeah, go into a pub. We, we went out. We, we didn't have the ability to play poker machines or things like that for for a long while, and then, now it's here, and now everybody wants it yeah, gone I again. I don't so. know. I don't. Know, I don't play it personally, but I like the fact that it. Like, if you can put it, if you can put craft beer in that pub. You know, you know, you know, you're doing all right because that means enough publicans are listening to enough punters, and the punters are asking for it. That's a win-win for everyone. And on a serious note, I guess to pokies I've seen, you know, I don't go to pokey venues in, in Melbourne because to me they're literally soulless. Yes. And the whole purpose of them is to have somebody to just, you know, isolate themselves from, from society and from reality. I call them the hyenas of the hospitality trade. They prey on the sick and the old and the infirmed and the weak. They're a disgrace. 
Yeah. Hate. But Kino's that little bit different because I guess it's, a, you know, at least, you know, we sat down, we were at the Narracourt Hotel yep. uh, on the way in yep. and Palmer you couldn't jump over. Um, great value, a, a really great vibe. You've got, you know, uh, old mate, the local, say, oh, you should try the Barra on the, on the specials menu, you know. So yeah, it's just yeah. that, that kind of <laughs> yeah. place. And it was a bit disappointing. We sort of sat down and, you know, here's our table number there and then around it is, you know, oh, the, the, the Kino cards. Yeah. We look up and there's the screen. I'm thinking, yeah, oh, yeah. that's... But then you look around and you see people going, oh, should we have a bit of a flight? And it's all... Like, at least people are it's conversing. Yeah, it's yeah. a little yeah. bit more social. Yeah. Yeah. And it stops there. I mean, not that we're on a pro-gambling vibe or anything, but it is. It's a bit more social. Um, you know, you sit and have a chat. The game stops. So it gives you that people that break as well. It's not... Oh, look, there's, there's, time, there's times that we've been we've been places where, you know what we should each put five bucks into a poker machine but it's it's over in six shots because yeah. we, we play a dollar machine and it's all about yeah, that's right. hey that's hey, it right, let's go big yeah. exactly right and we just it, it's just like you know what that's a bit that's a bit of fun to do and then just, just yeah. let's just walk yeah. away from that so yeah because the reality is and look in all seriousness when you're running a venue and you're, you're running a business that happens to make beer but you've also got that hospitality side of things anything you can do I guess the good beer will bring them in but you've got to say but what keeps them here yeah. and in some cases that's the vibe in some cases that's just the you know the, the patter the banter from yeah, old mate behind the bar it's a combination of all that um, and the food like, yeah. I mean one of the first things we did once we got the bar running properly was putting in our own kitchen because we wanted to control the experience as best we could and that meant you know, we, we, we controlled the glass the beer goes in we control the person who serves it we control the music the next thing was to bring the food that matched it all up together you know we didn't want to there's no point having a warehouse uh, bar and then serving high-end cuisine. That doesn't work. So let's do simple stuff that we do well. You know, the kitchen's the size of a toilet, but they knock out 600 meals a day out of there. Oh, a week, sorry. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's all part of it, the whole thing. You know, we, we quickly learn, I think, that we don't, we don't make beer. We make experiences. That's what we do, either here or at a venue or at the bottle shop. You know, you don't... You don't drink beer in a white box in silence unless you're doing beer judging. You you drink it with mates. Well, even, even then we chatter a fair yeah, bit. Right. No, bloody oath. But you commiserate, you know, you celebrate, you, you, you say good riddance to a bad day, you say, like, exclamation point on a great day. That's, the th- that's actually what we sell. So it's about understanding that. And that's why the beer is important, but it's why it's not super important. So based on that, talk us through growth. Like, it, it sounds like you've got a, a plan for, for fairly organic Growth, like you say, if somebody wants our beer and they happen to be in Sydney or they happen to be in Perth, you'd, you'd obviously look at you know having a discussion with them. But you're not, you haven't got people out or a plan to have people out on the ground in those areas to try to sort of you know conquer the nation. No, we don't sell. We do, so we do sell beer into New South Wales, Victoria, and WA um, through various models like commissioned agents or, or Victoria. We sort of handle ourselves a little bit now, yeah. um, and WA we have a distributor. Um, and so we definitely do that as it stands. In terms of growth with the new brewery in particular, switching to can, we expect we'll, we'll have a big uplift. There's an amount of people, the amount of people, you know, just, just word of mouth, or not word of mouth, anecdotally, who tell us the minute you get your beer in can, come forward to me. You know, Queensland is a classic for that. Well, we're talking to a distributor up there. He's like, look, I like your beer. It's, it's nice. We'll sell it, but not in a bottle. I can't shift it. I can't shift anything in a bottle at the we moment. We just put our we just put our pricing up, which you know it's a it's an evil an evil thing because obviously excise goes up twice a year. So we yeah. sent out, we, we're a little bit late to that because we're in Europe. So you know, boohoo for us. Um, so we sent out the email saying um, we're going to put the prices up. We had someone respond saying, "Oh, you guys are on the envelope of being too expensive." And the another guy going, "You're the only fucking bottle I can still sell." So well done. Right. I'm like, cool. You know, so we've you, you 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 get that feedback about what people want. Now, don't get me wrong, we're never. 
aim to be the cheapest brewery. We're never aiming to sell $50 retail cartons. Um, but we know we're behind we're behind where we should be in terms of going to different packaging configuration and that's we've just it's just been held up on the new brewery. So we probably got our bottling line eight months after the canning boom sort of yeah. started to become like, okay, we probably should have went to cans, but we couldn't we couldn't have afforded it. So um, but Pirate Life sort of charged off on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, oh, when we first started, we were doing beer in six forty mil bottles yeah. because it's how we like to drink. And this is this is the thing we used to, that's how we me and Jay's drink them. You know, you buy the six forty or a, like a, a big one, and you share it with a mate. You know, a few two or three mates. You have a drink. That's how good's that? And you all it's shit out, and you move on. Yeah. Um, so we were doing that, and because we were bottling by hand, there was less bottles to do. So that was good. Um, but again, we had a bloke come up, love your beer, can't fit it in my fridge. It goes over there with the wine, and we never sell it. So I'm not interested. Oh shit! All right, yeah. So that's why we went. We went. Oh, we'll just get the three thirty mil bottles, and then yeah, as Jay said, eight months later, cans happened. Um, but for the new brewery, we have so we have the canning line. We're employing. We actually had a discussion yesterday with uh, a marketing crew around increasing our nationwide awareness and things like that, and actually starting because actually starting some proper marketing strategy because at the moment it is all organic. It's all us. A lot of it, most of it, is through social media. It's myself or Jace. Um, posts and we just have some fun with it and just let people know what's going on um so have a proper plan in place act like a real business It'd be nice for a change i've got i've got a card a business card here somewhere from i don't know if you heard of them totem marketing totem? The, yeah zoe ottaway who's a, you know a regular on uh, oh, on radio bruce news oh, yeah yeah well i get a i get a i get a i'm, I'm just after a spotter's fee to be honest <laughs> no, but now on that cans bottles would you would you keep the bottles then because, uh, and I've had this discussion with, with plenty of brewers, um, and different markets demand, you know, have different market forces. Yeah, so, so some who are selling into restaurants, there are, there's resistance from restaurants yeah. to, to plonk a can on the table. Yeah. Whereas even a, you know, a stubby or a bottle, it, yeah, we, we can get away with that. We'll wait, we'll, we'll determine what market forces. We don't, I would expect we'll go mostly to can, but if, if there's enough pushback from enough people to say, no, we still want bottling, I mean, we'll have the bottling line, we can still do it. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like the you know the discussion at the moment around 30 mil, uh, 30 mil, 30 litre kegs, um, or 20 litre kegs and all that with the excise changes that are, that are proposed to be put in as the start of, uh, the start of financial. You know, we're talking to the sales guys, like, what are people talking about? Well, there's not much either way. I'm like, okay, well, we'll play it by ear. People want 30s, we'll give them 30s. And it might well be you go, you do a mix, you know, like you might have 30 mils for the... Uh, Thirty liters, rather for the um, for the new pub yeah, on the block. Yeah, or your bigger. I'm sure, they want to do crafties, and we can match. You know, versus the the guy who knows he's pumping out. Yeah, so yeah, so it'll, it'll it'll come down to the market. I mean, I think we're we're smart enough not to not to tell people what they'll have, rather than go, oh, what do you want, and let's see how we can make it work. We've we've done that with everything we do. Like, how can we how can we make the customer's experience the best it can be? So Adelaide, like the rest of Australia, we're seeing an increase in the number of, of breweries and, and beer brands. Are we seeing an increase in the number of taps, or is it more venues that you're trying to get your um, packaged product into? Yeah, it makes it tricky. Like again, with ABMV and people like that buying craft beer brands, um, you know, it, it, it's, it makes sense for them to do that because what they do is they just go in and go, "Well, hello, hotel owner, you want a craft beer tap? Well, don't worry about that. How about you just take our craft beer tap?" So. One order, one delivery, yeah, one yeah, invoice. One, one delivery, yeah, exactly. It's all about making it simple for the customer, which is a great idea. And I'm, if I'm a publican, I get it. Um, conversely, though, they're like with, with you know using Pirate Life as an example, they've moved now onto the CV taps. They're not necessarily staying on the uncontracted taps. So yeah. there's, they, it, sometimes it creates an opportunity as well. So it's not. A, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's. A, I don't think there's a massive increase no, no, no. in taps per se. I mean, there's an increase in venues. 
And I think, again, for us, like cans and stuff will, will allow us to get into a lot of those little cool pop-up bars and stuff like that because they do want they do want the cans because they don't want to pour it in a glass or whatever. They just want to sling it across the bar, you know what I mean? The taps that are, the taps that are here are, are fiercely rotated. Um, I mean, that partly it is because customers changing demands. Um, <laughs> could be non-payment of invoices. Could be a whole bunch of things as to why they rotate why they rotate the taps so bloody hard. Because you know, the phone's always going to ring, and we're always going to be we're always going to grab that opportunity by the hands and go, "Cool, we'll put our beer on tap." It may be three brewers before us haven't been paid. It may well be that, that those beers haven't sold. There's a variation of reasons as to why rotation happens as quick and as hard as it does. So, I think you know that's just going to be the way it plays out for a while. I mean, we've we've always said that we want to get our own venues in each of the trying to try and get a little venue in each state similar to this to give people what can't get hit brewery though typically people that can't get hit brewery give them a little piece of what we do back home so, yeah. piece of advice don't use necessarily use the brew dog model or, or even the stone model yeah. when, we, when, we, when we went to Brussels we just weren't impressed because we, we went to the brew dog bar and oh you've got to go there I'm like that's yeah it's the McDonald's well it's the McDonald's of, of, of craft beer it's like it feels like this could be anywhere and I think for us here like it's about that I think good craft beer and good craft beer venues pay respect to the local, you know. And but the fact yeah. that I couldn't get, I couldn't get a Belgian dish to eat, but I could get buffalo buffalo wings. I'm like, mate, come on, like have them on there by all means, but have have something else, have some local fare. So when we do talk about doing re, like other retail options, they'll certainly have pay respect to where they are, be them in the state, north or south or wherever, or. Or Sydney, or Melbourne, or wherever we end up going, yeah, we will we will have it'll be a locals setup because they're the guys, or purely economic sense, they're the guys who pay your bills because they come in all the time. Tourists and stuff are great, but you, the locals on a Thursday afternoon are where we where actually we make money because they come in all the time. Is that part of the business plan, or is that just kind of a bit of a pipe dream to uh, no, to have something? No, it's definitely part of the business plan. It got pushed back in priority simply because the new brewery suddenly kicked off. So like at the time we were limited to how much we could supply here and so well if we can't make any more, how do we make more on it? You can't just charge more, so maybe we set up our own retail options and we and we liked the idea of it. Um, and we were working through that and then we managed to get some loan funding from the government which then fast tracked the new brewery. So that's why that sort of got put to the side. So it's still it's still on the cards and I still do look around at different places. What we're, what we're not interested in is um, you know, buying pubs or, or, or leasing pubs. And the cookie cutter approach. Like yeah. just going, oh, that works here, that works there. No, it, it, it yeah. won't just work. Yeah. It's no. not McDonald's, it's no. not Hungry Jack's. You can't just transplant no. it. You've got to no, look, at, look at what, what that area needs yeah. and, and wants. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Now, before we finish up, um, so what happens here when the new brewery comes online? Do you split production between the two or does this become your smaller batch, your specialty? Obviously, you, you still want to keep what's... You know, this is always going to be your, your heartland. This is always going this to be your... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're, well, we're going to... We're, what we, there's probably up for debate at the moment. We're, we're, there's about five different reasons as to why we can go in any different, any different direction. What we'd like to do here is to take probably the two biggest tanks from here to the Newbury. Anybody that's contracting with us, and we've got a few little brands that we help at the moment, maybe take them over to the Newbury so they've got the canning option there. They've got a little bit more efficiency with getting beer out. And this will sort of, you know, the one option will be turn this into bloody Willy Wonka's Play Factory and we just go absolutely nuts. Like, you know, taking the whole, don't just barrel-aged beers, barrel-ferment beers. Like, do, do some of the really, really funky stuff we saw in the UK going, you know what, let's just do that. So the other thing we wanted to do is maybe look at turning into a live music venue every eight or so weeks. So, right, okay, come, come to the original Big Shed. It's underground. There's not many, not many people around here. We can make as much noise as we want here. No one cares. Um, it's still a licensed venue. It, we'll still maintain that. And, yeah, just... just 
play with the creativity in every aspect in terms of the venue, in terms of the you know the the, the, the beers that are made here. So yeah, just just really turning it on its head again. Yeah, fun of house can definitely be like it'll be like for private functions. Um, and as Jay said, like underground music and stuff. We started doing we, started, we created a series called Better Shed Than Dead. Um, and we had some we had music here uh, Saturday night. Uh, gratuitous plug, we've got Area 7 and the Porkers playing over the Queen's birthday <laughs> long weekend. Um, and we're just starting to, because we love, like to me, and like, our front of house guy's a big metalhead too, so, so he's into it. But you know, independent music, independent beer, and that all, it all just comes together. Like it, it makes sense. I don't understand why you go to a, to, to a concert or whatever and it's just the same shit beer on tap. Like, so we want to support local music and, and a few bigger acts and stuff like that where we can to come in here and play. Um, and yeah, as Jay said, like a Willy Wonka style factory and just, and just explore what beer can be and what it can't be and what it should be and what it shouldn't be and just have some fun with it because we never, we, never, we never care much for rules in terms of brewing anyway. We just want to have some fun and see what works. And there's no commercial pressure to what comes out of here because yeah. it'll be down the road. Um, you know, like conversely, looking at, looking at, you know, trying to be, trying to look at different, different markets and different things and trying to be independent, you know, we just sponsored the Adelaide Adrenaline Ice Hockey team. So we rock into, now you're rocking into, which, no, don't be wrong, it's not, it's not bloody uh, AFL, but you're wandering into a sporting event and having, having, a, having a decent yeah. beer. Like, yeah, the ice cool. room officially has better beer than the uh, Adelaide Oval. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, well, we look at, you know, Gage Roads, uh, obviously they yeah, deal with, yeah. with the Opus Stadium, so. the new, uh, Domain Stadium or whatever, and yeah. you've uh, Essendon to a, a smaller degree yeah. at Marvel Stadium with Colonial. Um, is there an opportunity in South Australia, or is it just more likely to go to a pirate life than a Coopers? Even with Gage Roads and stuff like that, I mean, I don't know what their dealio is, but I would just love that there isn't a contract as such, and you go, right, let's get the beer in that's, that people are asking for. And it might be our beer for a bit, or it might not be. Like, I, don't wanna, I don't want Big Shed to kick out anyone else. I want us all to be able to have a crack. Especially It'd be great, though, to have six taps and have six yeah, different, yeah, you know, a pirate it. life, a Coopers, I mean, West like, End. Go, yeah, like Adelaide Oval was built by the government. The government is governed by the people of South Australia. So what and, and the businesses of South Australia like pay pay their taxes and all of that sort of stuff. We we earned a right. We own a piece of that stadium, you know, for better or worse. So I can't see why you wouldn't take what is an iconic space. It brings people in from around the world. Why wouldn't you highlight all the great things that are going on in food and beer and wine and spirits instead of just going lion or is it line? I think it is. Believe, yeah. Ship us, ship us all your beer out of fat rebates. We make maximum margin. Like it just, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an opportunity to celebrate South Australia every week of the football season and during the test and cricket, and we just don't take it. And it does, it does my head in. I suspect uh, driving around uh, between where we're holidaying and and here in the city, uh, I, I sense there's an election coming along. So <laughs> perhaps. There's an opportunity here for all brewers to, you know, sort of yeah. approach a local member and say, right, what are you doing for us? Absolutely. Uh, Our local member's been really good um, with, with this whole... Um, we, we basically is that where the support came from, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, like well, the financial incentives? We, and yeah, we applied for a grant. So, obviously, grants are there to be taken... Future jobs fund. Yeah. And we were rather cheeky and asked for a fairly fairly lofty number. Um, and they came back and said no. And we said, right, OK. Well, Craig, Craig then replied rather cheekily and said, right, OK, well, how about you turn it into a loan? That will show you how serious we are. At the end of the day, we're going to get it from the bank. We're going to get it from you. The bank's not going to get a good, feel-good story out of it. You are. So um, they basically agreed to a, a, a low-interest loan. So and essentially, it's it's a commercial arrangement. No one, no, and the government's not propping us up. They're just allowing, they're just helping us with the mechanism to get it done. So he was. And was that based on numbers? We we will employ. Uh, this is what we'll need uh, now. So, 
the history, the Future Jobs Fund was all about, yeah, that. It was about jobs. So we applied for a $2 million loan, a $2 million grant to say, I want to employ this many people over this many, this long. And they said no to that. And I said, well, all right. So we rejigged it. I mean, well, how about a million bucks for this many people? And they said, well, would you be interested in a loan? And I'm yeah, well, we need the money anyway. So how about you give it to us? Um, it's on the proviso that we employ, I think it's 30-odd. 30 31 jobs within the next, by 2021. Which will be fine. Between the new brewery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. With front of house, back of house. We've got 13 already, so it's not like we're... We're small. Well, no, again, our, our brand is bigger than our, than our okay, actual location. So you didn't, location. you didn't have to add? No, we're going oh, yeah, to get to 30, 30 more. more from where you are. Okay. But, um, yeah, so that'll that'll be fine. And like it was, it started, like it was part of, I'm assuming, it was part of a push, obviously, for re-election. Um, the state, the Labor government, who started the job, Future Jobs Fund, they lost the election, so the Liberals didn't take over. They didn't have to, but... Thankfully, they did. They're going to honour that. Um, so, yeah. So we get a lot of support in that sense. I just, I just, I just look at the, the, the SMA, like the the State Management Authority, at Adelaide Oval, which is a classic. I just look at it. And I don't understand why it's not a celebration of all things South Australia. You know, I just don't get that. I don't understand. Like someone should take the because it it'll actually make for a better experience, and you're actually going to help all the businesses around us rather than just one. You know, again, I don't want. I wouldn't want. Big Shed to be the only brewery in there any more than I want Lion Nathan to be the only brewery in there. No. I just want our stuff there and I want Little Bang stuff there and I want Mismatch stuff there and I want Samoy stuff there. I want all the guys there. Well, That's to, it. Be, well, to be honest, we, we've got two tap systems that we installed in Adelaide. So with that, handshake arrangements, there's no contracts. Um, not yet. We are, we are obviously needing to tighten that up because it's a little, it's a little bit <laughs> fast, and fast, and fast and loose. But we actually said them, right, okay, we'll put this system in, but you know what? When we're not on tap, put somebody else on that's, 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 that's like us. So we, we haven't really ever restricted them to, you know, to say, let's be anti-competitive, you know. Just put somebody else on the like us. Just don't put on one of the majors on one of our gear. Yeah. That's all we've ever And at the end of the day, if we grow the pie bigger, then we can cut it into more slices rather than the, the same slices getting bigger. Yeah. I've heard that. Mm. I don't know if Matt Kierkegaard trademarked that. Did he? So that, that low-hanging fruit or uh, the, bin, the bintang effect. Jade, yeah. Actually, I reckon, I reckon Matt Kierkegaard may have pinched it from her. We'll, we'll attribute that to her. I'm going to go yeah, and yeah. Uh, hopefully hopefully catch up with her for a beer tonight. Uh, listen, Jason and Craig from Big Share Brewing Concern, thank you very much for joining us on Beer as a Conversation. No worries, Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer is a conversation.